don't buy me. It's the living you gotta worry about. Something if I couldn't keep them there with me whole, I, at least I felt that I could keep uh, their skeletons. Welcome to the Bad Taste Crimecast. <laughs> I was so peppy. I know. Um, I am co-host Janelle. And I am co-host Vicky. And today we are going to talk about highway killers. Yeah. Yeah, no, not yeah. Tra- <laughs> traveling killers. Um. So I first kind of got fascinated with this when I watched um, The Killing Season. Wait, hold on. What? Hold on, really quick before we start this. Uh-oh. Yeah, my piece of big news that I oh, said I was... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was reading an article mm-hmm. that O.J. Simpson put... Casey Anthony on his visitors list in prison, right? Stop. Yeah. Okay. So, I'll, yeah, that is happening. First of all, okay, which first I'm like, of all, she's a bitch <laughs> because they are reportedly, allegedly, in talks of doing a reality TV show. Oh my god! I thought you were going to say because they were going to get like married or something. No, I was like, I'm like, that would be they are meant for each other. That would be an amazing reality show. Yeah, like killer couple. Ah. Uh, pitch it. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> yeah, he, he, it is, it is confirmed that, sh- that she's on his visitors list and that they are saying she's going there to talk about a reality TV show, which I was like, that's fucked up. That's way but fucked up. It does not surprise me for either one of them. They're both kind of like those people that want to be it, like the center of attention. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't really surprise me that they would. Did you see the OJ made in America? Yes. That made me, like, so angry, the last part of it. And then now I see after you telling me this, I'm like, it all makes sense. Uh-huh. Fuck that. Ew. Gross. So that was that was my piece of news that I really want to talk about. Oh, my I God. Thought, what <laughs> the fuck? What the actual fuck? For yeah, real? that's going to be a mess. It's going to be like that stupid hidden show he did. Did you, did you see the, like, the... what? The, like, prank show he did? No. Okay. He did a fuck. prank show? He did a prank like, show. Like, punked, but O.J. Simpson yeah. juiced? Was yes. it called juice? It was actually called juice. Oh, my God. You fucking got it right. <laughs> yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, it my God. It was called, like, get juiced or some bullshit. Okay, so kudos for not missing yes. out on that opportunity of naming your... I imagine it's going to be like that. Your, Just yeah. like, oh, poor me. Like, Because that was a fucking terrible show. Jesus. Look it up. Watch clips on YouTube. It's horrible. God. <laughs> Why? Ah, uh, yes. Anyway, let's get back to, like, people who are not so... Well, they're fucked up, but not so much so. <laughs> Mostly because they're dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> so, I was watching The Killing Season. Um, it's, like, a docuseries on A&E. You can, I think, watch it on Amazon. I think they have... Well, the, you can watch it anywhere, really. Um, but it's by Joshua Zeman. He did the documentary Cropsy and the Urban Legends, which I fucking love his work. But they kind of start with, like, the Gilgo Beach stuff, and then they go into, um, like, serial killers that are based off of the highway system. So this freaks me out. That does. That is super <laughs> freaky, because, well, honestly, we live by a lot of Okay. When I was roads. A, when I was a teenager, we used to go to the truck stop, mm-hmm. because it was open 24 hours, and that was back, believe it or not, when you could smoke in restaurants. How fucking old am I? And... <laughs> We'd go there at 12 o'clock at night. We would have cups and cups of black coffee and drink cigarettes like we were some stupid fucking indie film. And Oh, yeah. We totally did that, too. There were truckers in and out, lot lizards, which, if you don't know, that's a, you know, a lady of the night who bases herself out of a truck stop. 
And there were truckers there all the time, hitting on all of us. We were underage. Being creepy fuckers. The potential for one of us to be taken and or murdered was so high that we didn't even realize it. And we're just like, we just want to smoke cigarettes and have coffee. Like, tell these fucking old weirdos without teeth to get out of my face and go take a shower. Like, no. So when I was watching this, it was just all of these memories started coming back from high school. Like, I almost was murdered on that day. And that time I could have been murdered. And, oh, yep, that time I was almost murdered. And it's weird to think about that those things that at the time, it's just like, oh, we're going to go hang out with my friends. It'll be cool. You do not think at the time. I There are so many moments I think back to that I'm like, holy shit, was I doing some high risk behavior. Right. Like that. I Yeah. Just put yourself in that situation. It blows my mind. I'm like, I could have died so many times. Yeah. But they did a really great job on this documentary, kind of just explaining it out. Um, so if you have time, go check it out for sure. They didn't go into specific ones, so I was kind of curious, like, you know, I want to learn more. Is there, like, a highway serial killer? And there is. There is a guy who has that name. <laughs> um, I'm going to say his last name wrong, because there's, like, two ways that people are pronouncing it. Larry Eiler or Larry Euler? How do you spell it? E-Y-L-E-R. I've heard Euler a lot more. I feel I would say Euler. Yeah, right? Where is he from? He's from Indiana. Oh. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Um, I so, think everybody that doesn't live where I live pronounces things weird, so. Exactly. I'm, we should just say Euler. I don't have a Midwest accent. Fuck yeah. you. I have, a, I have a real person accent, okay? <laughs> I don't sound like I'm from Minnesota or Wisconsin. I sound like I am just a person. <laughs> this is an American accent. This is how an American sounds. Um, so his name came up first. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. But when you put in a highway, like, killers or highway serial killers, tons of shit Holy comes up. Holy shit. That you tons of shit. And most of the time it's not people who've been caught. It's more like, oh, this stretch of road has found uh, 10 bodies in the last 30 years. Um, what? Excuse me? 10 fucking bodies? Well, and those, <laughs> those you don't, I don't feel like you hear about as often because no. a lot of times it's like Jane Doe's or... It is. A uh, lot of John times Doe's or whatever. Um, what winds up happening is it's, like I said, like the lot lizard sort of, you know, prostitute... Sex worker. Sex worker. The Those women or boys, also it's a lot of young men, like yeah. under the age of 20, um, that are found. And it's because they live, you know, a high-risk lifestyle. And they're traveling around a lot. So a lot of time they don't have identification. They don't have any, you know, family members looking for them because they've been gone from their family so long. Or they're found in states that they are not from. And the police are not going to put forth the effort to look for them because they go, oh, you know what? They're just a sex worker. They knew what they were doing. They knew yeah. what they were getting into, which is a whole nother problem. It's, yeah, that <laughs> sickens me that that is still the stigma in our society. A person it's, is a person, yeah. no matter what they decide to do with their life. Yeah. That's still a life. That They still have family. They still have friends. That's still a human being. Right. How dare you be like, oh, you know what? They knew what they were doing. Yeah. They enjoyed having sex with people. They Oops, needed money, so well. whatever. Yeah. Yep. That's bullshit. So you can just see when you look this up on Google, just Google highway serial killer. 
and you will just see a disgusting amount of like correlation between the highway system and the massive amounts of missing people, not even found bodies, but just missing people. And then you look deeper and there's just stretches of road that are just littered with bodies. It's horrifying. So Larry Eiler was born in Indiana in 1952. He was the youngest of four children and his parents got divorced when he was like four years old and his mother remarried, had strings of husbands and boyfriends, was just all over the place. So the vibe that I kind of get is she was kind of, you know, selling herself to people in between the marriages. And when those marriages went downhill, she went back to that sort of risky behavior, which if you look into the psychology of serial killers, this is like prime, you know, reasons why people start getting into these behaviors is, you know, unstable home life and just seeing that kind of sexual behavior or aggression towards women or children at such a young age really Did he have any of the trifecta of serial killers? He wasn't sexually abused, um, but he was abused by the many men that his mother married. Like, she married a good half a dozen guys and then had several boyfriends in between. What makes him, I think, a serial killer is he's like John Wayne Gacy. He's very, very sexually repressed and a closet homosexual. Mm. So he was indoctrinated with the idea that, like, being gay or, you know, having these homosexual tendencies was shameful. So he kind of had this fascination with men, but was repulsed when he acted on it. Okay. So it's this sort of, like, fascination repulsion that pushed him into winding up killing these men. And what what <laughs> year was that? Like, I mean, how, what time period did he so grow up So we're talking in? late 70s okay. um, and to the early 80s. So still early enough that homosexuality really was, was this really... This was the beginning of the AIDS crisis, the, the beginning yeah. of people, you know, being like, it's okay to be gay. I'm another, you know, I'm just a human being who loves happens to love another man or another woman. Sure. Um, so there was, like, that protest for, you know, the rights, but then also, you know, the juxtaposition yeah, of, there was like, still the a lot of people crisis. who didn't, weren't comfortable coming out because there were, I mean, it was... Especially in Indiana? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Midwest? We are, I mean, Back we're then, even more so, you know... A liberal, I mean... Notorious. We are, but the, our area is yeah. not... Is not. We're, we are closer to a, sub, you know, we're not a suburban area so much, no. but we're closer to a metropolitan area. Yes. So, you know, the acceptance is different than, say, southern Indiana. <laughs> right. Um, mm-hmm. Not so much. So he had this, you know, you know, shame, great shame on him. Shame. <laughs> yes, I just think of, like, Game of Game Thrones, of Thrones shame. Yep. <laughs> So, supposedly, he killed anywhere between 20 and 23 victims. Holy shit. And this was, he was like, um, he just found work wherever he could. So he's traveling in between Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Iowa, and Wisconsin. Finding work for hire. So that's like a real great recipe for just, like, killing people and throwing them on the side of the road, which is exactly what he fucking did. (laughs) So if you look at a picture of him... (laughs) 
<laughs> like I was reading and it described him as like a handsome sort of charming man. He looks just like a typical fucking Midwest dad. Okay. With, like, the gross 70s, like, dick like, weird oh, mustache. No. <laughs> He's not appealing. I'm, like, maybe handsome Ye. by 1979 standards, but not... Mm-mm. I don't know. Those, I look those at him, mustaches are making a comeback, though. Ew, they should I know. I know. I'm not gross. saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying. No. No. If you want a mustache, <laughs> I'd rather you have a fucking dandy mustache that you, like, wax. Yes. Than fucking, like, dick like, stupid feeler mustache you coming a, over your top lip. You Gross. want a mustache that'll get you in a mustache club. Exactly. <laughs> Not just, oh, I'm lazy and I don't like to shave, yeah. so I'm gonna just square that the fuck off. No. <laughs> fucking gross. He looks like every dad I ever knew growing up. Like, oh, it's just, you know, what's his name's fucking dad down the street? Yep. Just, no. Loves Bruce Springsteen and fucking... Oh, man. Born to run. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> he started his, like, killings a little bit later in life. He was, like, in his mid-twenties. He didn't start, like, killing people until then. Before that, it was a lot of, like, going to see prostitute, male prostitutes and then, you know, just fucking hating himself afterward. And then it escalated, as it always does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to kind of go. <laughs> what wound up happening was that he was only convicted for one murder, but he wound up um, confessing to 17. But it is suspected, like I said, that he killed more than that up to 23 was the and if i'm skipping ahead tell me but was the one that he was convicted of did they have something to connect him to that like dna or they something had, like that or tried, was it they tried to get him on several murders that they several. had evidence for that they had or? evidence for okay. and things were thrown out because of stupid bullshit which i will get to okay All this right. case enraged me because again we're gonna see this in pretty much everything that we cover um sheer incompetence by the police department <laughs> Just, like, mm. fucking morons who have, like, a sticker badge, is what I imagine. Was ha- and it's Indiana, so you know that there's an, it's not, like, an award-winning police department. <laughs> so, this is a list of, like, potential, like, victims. Some of them he confessed to, some of them he did not. They later connected him. Because he wound up, I mean, he confessed on his deathbed in jail. And, and you're really on those deathbed confessions. I mean... I don't even know what the fuck was going on, but this guy held out, and it's like, you're already in jail. Just fucking admit it. Let these families have peace. No. Stop yourself. Like, no. So, I'm just gonna kind of go through this a little bit. March of 1982, Jay Reynolds was found stabbed to death outside of Lexington, Kentucky. So also keep in mind, these are gonna be in several locations. Similar MOs. Very close in date. October 3rd, uh, 82, uh, Delavand Baker, 14, strangled and dumped in Indianapolis. Uh, October 23rd of 82. Stephen Crockett, 19, stabbed 32 times outside of Lowell, Indiana, dumped in a field. That is some... 32 times is like a lot of Four times in the head. Four times in the fucking head. If you're stabbing somebody that many times, there is a lot of anger behind that. Exactly. Uh, November 6, 82, Robert Foley, dumped outside of Joliet, stabbed. Uh, December 25th, 82, John Johnson, 25, left in a field outside of Belshaw, Indiana. Uh, December 28th of 82, this was two men found in a close proximity to each other. John Roach, 21, outside of Bellevue. Um, and then Stephen Agin, found tied up and stabbed outside of Newport, Indiana, those cities. 
our major highway system right next to each other. Um, let's see. It's a very long list. <laughs> so um, uh, August 31st, this is the next crop of people that were found. Crop okay. of people. Oh, geez. Um, this is an 83. Ralph Carlisle was found dead. Um, discovered in a field outside of Lake Forest. Now, remember his name. He's going to come up later. Well, say it again. Ralph Carlisle. Okay. Outside of Lake Forest, Illinois, very close to where we are. Yes. Oh. <laughs> he had been stabbed 17 times, and his pants were pulled down around his ankles. Okay. So probably mid-sex Sexual act. Assault, yeah. Um, uh, September 30th of 83, we have... Oh, no, sorry. October 4th of 83. I'm like... Jumping all over the place. <laughs> Derek Hansen, 14, found sexually abused and dismembered in Kenosha. Okay. That's just north of here. <laughs> yes. Uh, October 15th of 83, an unnamed man was discovered stabbed in Rensselaer, Indiana. The 18th of October of 83, four bodies found in Newton County, all dumped together, all of their pants pulled down. Um, one person was decapitated, and they were all stabbed several times. Were they men or women? Men. Okay. These are all men. Okay. Uh, December 5th of 83, another John Doe was found near Effington. Again, stabbed. Tied up. December 7th of 83, Richard Wayne and another unnamed man were found near Indianapolis. Um, tied. Stabbed. One guy had his pants pulled down. So... This is just a rough list of things that he admitted to. That's just what he admitted to. And there were five other bodies found in similar areas. Um, one, Iowa, Southern Illinois, uh, Tennessee. They were also similar. tied he up and stabbed. Stabbed. Pants, yeah. you know, de pants. Just yeah. very close to, he didn't admit to them or anything. Um, but they, there were a lot that he didn't admit to that I think he definitely yeah. killed. Um so, going back here, there were plenty of opportunities that the police had to catch this stupid motherfucker. So, we're going to go to September 30th, as I was saying before. I kind of, like, jumped over my notes a little bit. <laughs> um, Eiler was detained in a traffic violation. Uh, his boot prints and tire tracks were, like, taken because he had been arrested previously for just, you know, stupid drunken bullshit and... There was a warrant out, and it just, you know, they let him go. Okay. But they took some evidence, um, and some of it was the, again, tire tracks and boot prints, and they correlated to evidence found near the remains of Ralph Carlisle. Okay. So, they started kind of looking into him after this. So, uh, Ralph Carlisle, I told like, he was... 1983, August, his body was found. Um, it was about 12 hours they found him after he had been stabbed. And so it was, I mean... They found him 12 hours after. So he... Well, I feel, I was going to say, he probably wouldn't have gotten too, too far. But the problem is, being on the interstates and driving, mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to get away quicker. Yes. I, I think it's a little... I mean, most of these people were sitting out there for weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, for this particular one, it, that's pretty quick to find someone off a road yeah. in a ditch. Yeah. That's pretty quick. So they were kind of like, oh, this is, you know, significant that he's still pretty, you know, fresh and we can get some good evidence. It's not been washed away. He hasn't been sitting out in the sun for, you know, weeks at a time with shit just, you know, going to hell and we can't pick up any information. Right. Um, 
So this is the case that start, like starts having the police look into. Now, this is just the Indiana police. Okay. The other states were just like, oh, random body in the ditch. Like, they were not seeing the connection. They were not seeing the pattern. Um, so there was another guy named Craig Townsend. And I'm trying to remember when. This is a little bit after September 30th when they found his body. I want to say... It was closer to November. Uh, yeah, November 4th. Um, 21-year-old Craig Townsend um, was in the hospital, and he said he was attacked, and he was stabbed and tied up while he was in the middle of a sex act in exchange for money. Okay. And the police were like, whoa, this sounds like the kid we found a couple months ago. So they're like, we need to talk to this guy. We need to get a description. Well, because he's been arrested several times before, he's a male prostitute. They know him. He books it out of the fucking hospital. He leaves. He takes his shit. They treat him. He's supposed to stay there. And he fucking ups and leaves. Because he knows, like, I'm going to get arrested. This is, you know. But really, all they want to do is get evidence from him. So what winds up happening is they only had his first name, too. They didn't have his last name because he didn't have an ID on him. They just had Craig. Yeah. So he leaves, and they basically, I mean, this, if if they would have got to him sooner, he wouldn't have went on to kill a, a couple other people, and they would have stopped it right there. But again, you know, police, so well, that, much incompetence. That seems, <laughs> that seems to be the case with a lot of the highway killers, is mm-hmm. that they're either, there would be some little piece of evidence that would be like kind of pointing to them or they would have somebody escape and kind you know, but they no, no, it was like nobody wanted to talk. They had an opportunity, but it really wasn't enough to actually arrest them for any crime or, you know, yeah, something he like that. He wouldn't have been arrested. I mean, it is scary when you are in that sort of field of work, I guess you could say. The potential for you to be arrested and sent to jail is so high all the time. Even if you are cooperating, I get I get why you would be scared and upset and, you know, freaked right. out. But you almost died. He stabbed you and he tried to choke you. Like, wouldn't you want that person to be caught no matter if you would be in trouble or not? Yeah. But I mean, like, the perpetrators, a lot of times with the perpetrators of the crime, they will have... Enough, it's like enough evidence to point to that person, but not enough to issue an arrest warrant and actually keep them for any crime. So, they wanted to talk to that guy because they they saw a pattern between Carlisle and Townsend and Eiler. So, um, this is August of 1984. They find another body. Danny Bridges, 15. He was dismembered, put in several plastic bags, and there was evidence of, you know, sexual abuse and his hands, you know, they had ligature marks on them. So they were like, what the fuck? This was in Illinois. So this is, this sets off a chain of events that is just so fucked up. So what happens is they try to go back and get him on the Ralph Carlisle. They take the evidence that they had gotten him, and they're going to try and connect this case to the Ralph Carlisle case and get him on both these people. Okay. So they're looking for Craig Townsend. They're collecting evidence for this new case, and they're trying to connect it to the Ralph Carlisle. Because this is a year after Ralph Carlisle is dead, and the Craig Townsend guy disappears. This is about a year. So 
the Indiana police finally, what was it, two years after they started finding people, are like putting it out to Illinois, Tennessee, Kentucky, Iowa, all of these, you know, surrounding areas were looking for a serial killer. He is, this is his name. This is who we believe it is. Um, you know, if you have any cases that kind of sound like this, get in touch with us. So that's why the Illinois police were like, this kind of sounds like it. Because, I mean, he decapitated one person. He never dismembered them. But I think he was changing his M.O. Well, even from Because the, he's been arrested several times right. in between these, you know, murders. Even from the beginning, it, it's like he start. it sounded like he just started off with just stabbing them and then it just evolved into escalate, escalate, being tied escalate. up and they're found with their pants down and stabbed. So yeah, that would make sense that there would and be I next step. And I see so many connections between this and John Wayne Gacy. Same time period, pretty much. Like, same sort of method of tying up, dismembering, hiding the body. I mean, at least this guy was a little smarter and threw him out on a row instead of fucking burying him in their house. house. Yeah. Goddamn idiot. <laughs> oh, it's somebody... just a, it was a dead family of raccoons under my porch. Even for somebody who kept him under the house, he did not get caught for a long time. I to mean, be fair. To be fair. I would have been the neighbor from hell and yeah. went over there and been like, your house fucking smells like rotting bodies, you piece of shit clown. Like, I'm calling the police. Fuck you. This is, this is the era what kind of grown people? man dresses like a goddamn clown? Yeah, right? This is in the era before people were actually afraid of clowns. They were still, like, adorable old men in costume. No. I hate clowns. No. I hate all clowns. <laughs> Fuck clowns. Um, anyway, getting back to this. Um, so they were trying to connect him on this. What wound up happening is they had a bunch of circle, circumstantial evidence that they had uh, relating to the Ralph Carlisle case. So they brought him in. Um, Eiler, and they started talking to him and trying to, you know, get him on it. Well, he files a lawsuit against them saying that they, because they have been, you know, keeping tabs on him and checking in, and that's why he was arrested so many times. He files a lawsuit. He wins it. $500,000 for harassment. His case gets thrown out, the Ralph Carlisle case, because they never read him his Miranda rights. Oh my god. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You were so close to nailing this stupid motherfucker, and you didn't read him his Miranda rights? You idiot! <laughs> Rule number one. Indiana. Miranda rights. <laughs> Fucking, I hate Indiana. Every time I go to visit my brother down in Tennessee, I was like, we're not driving through Indiana. Fuck that state. I'm going all the way down all the way to Illinois. Down I don't give a shit. <laughs> we're going through the very tip of Illinois. Oh, I'm not touching Indiana. Eight, an extra eight hours out of your drive. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> The scenic garbage lands of Illinois are far better than Indiana. (laughs) And that's saying something. Yes. So the judge throughout the case, I mean, not only did they read him his Miranda rights, they obtained evidence illegally. They illegally searched his truck. Like, what? What are you doing? This is in 1930. You're not a fucking cop in L.A. who's like, I'm gonna set you up, see? Like, no. There are rules now. That's ridiculous. You have to follow them. That's fucking ridiculous. So, they released him on bond, and they were awaiting for further trial, and then that's um, when they started really trying to ramp it up and get him on the Danny Bridges. So, what winds up happening is... He kind of confesses <laughs> to killing kind of Danny confesses. Bridges. He 
makes the mistake of mentioning um, that he knew him or had met him. And so they're like, oh, it's on, like, Donkey Kong. So they also found a police report that was, like, buried about... (laughs) This is what kills me. How does a police report get buried? But anyway, there's a police report piled uh, on September 30th, 1983. Okay. Okay, So if you're thinking of our timeline, this was after Ralph Carlyle was found murdered, but before Danny Bridges was killed. We're ha- we have, like, an eight, nine-month gap, right? Okay. Why didn't they find this police report? Couldn't tell you. I don't understand. Yeah. This police report is key. It's key. This is what connects him to everything, okay? Hold on to your underpants, okay? Indiana Highway Patrolman pulls up on a pickup truck parked on the side of Interstate 65, okay? You see it? Okay. Two men moving towards a clearing of trees. Weird. Maybe they're just taking a piss. Who the fuck knows? One yeah, guy... Yeah, you as stop the, on an interstate to take a pee. One guy, as the cop approaches, has his hands tied behind his back and is walking in front of the other man. Okay? Police officer pulls over, gets the fuck out right quick. Who is it? Fucking Larry Eiler... Behind the dude whose hands are tied, pushing him into a tree line. Oh my god. Okay? So what? Follow me. What does he do? What does he (laughs) do? The young guy who was, you know, tied up. Okay. Accused Eiler of making homosexual propositions at him, then asking permission to tie him up. The kid says yes. First of all, what the fuck? Get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was kinky. So they searched the pickup truck, right? Okay. It had surgical tape, clothesline. <laughs> there was a knife with human blood on it. Okay. <laughs> Nothing so suspicious forensics there. were taken, and it matched. Who did it match? Ralph fucking Carlisle's blood type. Flip the table. What the fuck? Oh my god. Are you kidding me? Okay. Tire tracks match the Ralph Carlisle scene. Boot prints match. Evidence, evidence, evidence. So did they <laughs> arrest him? No. Okay. No, they didn't. <laughs> because by the time they got the stuff back, yeah. the kid didn't press charges. You know, he was like, we were just gonna fuck in a field, whatever. Didn't even realize that there was a knife in the car and clothesline and all this other stuff for him to be murdered with. Okay. So why didn't they arrest him? I feel like if they had a knife that had the blood of another victim, and Mm -hmm. surely since the victim um, was identified and had a name, I'm sure it's in some system somewhere. So why was he They collected this evidence because nothing happened with the kid that he had, they didn't arrest him. Okay. No charges were pressed. Okay. They collected the evidence. They sat on it for a while, then they tested it. When they tested it, they found out, oh, that blood and that shit matches Ralph Carlyle's case. But because he was already tried for it, they can do nothing. Oh, double jeopardy. Yes. Even though that's new evidence. That's new evidence, right? Yeah, but you can't be charged for the same crime. Exactly. So they're taking this evidence and they're like, okay, we we know he's doing this. And that's why they were following him. And that's why he, you know, 
reported like he he put that lawsuit out there because he knew that they were on his ass then in the end but he still continued to kill people so they take all this stuff he you know states that he knew danny bridges and then it all falls apart he basically just fucking confesses they they don't even need to gather evidence because they if the mo is the same he said he knew danny bridges he had met him before it's all there. So it goes to trial real quickly. He's convicted. Lickety split. Well, that's good. But he states also that he had several accomplices in several murders. Doesn't state how many murders. Doesn't state of how many not. accomplices. Of course not. But he mentions one person in particular. A University of Indiana professor helped him kill five people. Okay. Now, I I didn't bring up that guy's name because I, uh, I feel like a lot of times people like, yes, I do believe that there was something going on where he was kind of, I feel like maybe he had a group of buddies that were also kind of into the, like the sex torture sort of thing that he got into. I think it started out as a shameful thing, but it became a necessity for him to get off. Sure. So I think he did find that group of people where, you know, they talked about tying each other up and they talked about, you know, the shit underground sort of gay bar kind of camaraderie. Um, I believe, yeah, I mean, you're going to name that guy specifically. Why else would you? It's He didn't go to college. It's not like he, it was his professor. He didn't know this guy from anywhere in his everyday life. He yeah. had to have met. Doing something like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So. (laughs) Calm down, girl. I just, it just, I mean, the police were so stupid. It took them years to figure out a pattern. They had already spoken with the survivor. They did wind up finding that Craig Townsend guy and bringing him back. He identified him. And that was another nail in the coffin for Eiler because he was identified, and it was very similar to the way that the Danny Bridges died, Ralph Carlisle died, all these other boys that were found. Um, yeah, because most of them were fucking under the age of 18. There was one guy that was 25. So young guys. Young. Yeah. Youngest being fucking 13 years old. Are you kidding me? So, I mean, the Craig Townsend guy, I, he really helped the case when he finally came forward. And he was like, he drugged me. He beat me. He tied me up. He stabbed me in the side. I luckily was able to kick. He kicked him in the face and like rolled away and fucking ran. And he got spooked and he drove off. I mean, that was almost a huge mistake on his part. Yeah. But then again, you know, that kid was scared. It was like a perfect storm for him. Right. Where he got the fuck away with it. And I just, oh man, it pisses me off so much. It just, I can't understand why... He wasn't... (laughs) It makes me so mad! It's like, why? But yeah, I mean, that's fucking Larry Eiler. Um, So what ends up happening is he goes to jail. He's obviously put in there for life. But he has AIDS. So he's dying of AIDS. Mm. Complications of AIDS. No, he's fucking dying from AIDS. Yeah. Um, And the families of Ralph Carlyle and Danny Bridges, they beg and plead with him to confess to the other murders that that he's been suspected of. Um, The police didn't even put forth the effort to try to connect them and try to put them into the case. 
um, that they were working on for Danny Bridges, they were just like, we know he did it. Okay, well, are you gonna, you know, try to seek justice for these people, you fucking morons? Like, yeah. oh, man, I just can't, like, you're a police officer. This is your job. Yeah. You're like, oh, we know he's connected. We know he did it. So then fucking convict him. Yeah, that doesn't bring any closure for, like, the families of the victims no. or anything. Yeah. So he was um, on his deathbed pretty much, and he does confess to 17 other murders. Um, and that was the list that I kind of read off earlier. So most of the people he remembered their names and exactly where they were and all this other bullshit. Yeah, that sounds, that screams serial killer. Oh, yeah. But I wholeheartedly believe that he definitely killed more than that 17 people. Yeah. I'm going to say probably closer to 30. Especially since a vast majority of them, he couldn't remember their names, and he was dumping two, three, four bodies at a time. What are you, just like... Got a fucking fridge in the back of your car, you just throw a body in there for later and then dump them all together? Like, what are you doing? Which seems more risky than dumping them individually. One by one. Yeah. If you and then again, you, and you think, I think back to that Gilgo Beach thing. And there were how many? Seven, ten bodies yeah. found on one strip, not even that much, like a mile stretch of road. How are these, like, I mean... All with the exception of Danny Bridges and Ralph Carlyle, most of these people were out there for weeks at a time. How are you not... When Every time I drive down a highway and I see a bag on the side of the road, I go, that's a fucking body in there. <laughs> it's not trash. It's not some 17-year-old dropping off beer bottles on the highway. That's a fucking dismembered body. And do you call 911 on every <laughs> no. bag? Because it winds up being like diapers. Just tell like, this fuck. woman to stop calling us. We just keep picking up garbage. She's watching way too much true crime documentary series and getting into my favorite murder, and she thinks every garbage bag on the side of the road is a dead body. Yeah, better to be safe than sorry. Exactly. Or at least get someone out there to fucking clean it up. Yeah. It winds up being just like dirty diapers and beer bottles. It's like, fuck. Now you're picking up garbage I I and you know right? it's not a body. I'm a good citizen. <laughs> I'm on the lookout for dead bodies and trash. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you, I just, reading the story made me think about that, the killing season, and I'm like, this shit is all connected. The amount of, I mean, I don't want to speak ill of truck drivers, but if you think about it, these are people it really is who can't the, handle jobs, who are a little on the outskirts of a society normalcy. I don't think that's necessarily true. Because I do I do know some people who are truck drivers, and quite honestly, the money is good. It is good. However, if you are a person who is unstable and has, um, you know... It's too it's, easy. It's, it's the perfect job mm -hmm. to be able to attack people and dispose of their bodies if you wanted to. Not saying that, that all truck drivers are like that. Like I said, I know some, it's yeah. good money and they're normal people, but it does make an easy opportunity for those people that want exactly. to be able to dispose and of bodies. If you think back to when truck driving really started to hit a boom in the 70s, and this is when you start seeing lots of people being dumped on the side of the road. The more we depend upon this sort of type of transportation, not necessarily a truck driver, but someone who is long haul driving, yeah, driving cross country, car for a you know specific job, like salesman, 
Salesmen mm-hmm. have to travel, not so much by car anymore, but yeah. there are a lot of travelers. And this is where it gets muddy. This is where it gets complicated because these police departments, they barely want to cooperate within a state from county to county. How the fuck do you expect them to go from state to state and county to county? It's not going to happen. This is why these people get away with it. This is why things don't become connected until years later, until all of a sudden there's an epidemic of missing people in certain cities along certain highways. It's disgusting. So, funny story, true story. (laughs) Um, I actually have a really good example of police working across state lines. Oh, you have the opposite of mine? (laughs) Yeah, after after all of that. I'm just sitting here like, actually... (laughs) I mean, yeah, let's hear it, because Larry Eiler is a fucking asshole, and Indiana's a garbage (laughs) place. (laughs) Janelle... I'm going to paint you a word picture. Oh, I love pictures. I am going to start off by saying that the story I'm about to tell does have a lot of really graphic details, as you should expect. But I feel like they're extra graphic in this one, so I did feel like I wanted to give a little warning because, um, yeah. All right, so. Is anyone getting, like, stabbed in the butt or anything? (laughs) I don't know. Is it at least cheeky? Sorry, oh my god! I'm so sorry. Boo. That was horrible. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> we were talking about hey, gay people, anyway. and I just went too far. God damn it! Uh, I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Think back to February fifth, nineteen ninety. Yes, I was five. Okay. <laughs> uh, so February fifth, nineteen ninety, in Houston, Texas. Uh, an 18-year-old woman named Nicole Tuttle appears on the side of the road desperately trying to flag down somebody passing by. This sounds like a beginning of a horror movie. Right. <laughs> she was obviously beaten. She had bruises. She had blood on her. She was wearing a dog collar around her neck. And she just looked fucked up. So she's trying to pla- uh, flag down a passing motorist. Why does this sound familiar? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I feel like if you're getting away a lot of times, this is what, ha- well, not the dog collar thing, but. Oh, no. Wait, this isn't the toy box killer, is it? No. Okay, because it really sounded like a toy box killer. And I was like, I'm oh, painting no. a word picture. That's <laughs> okay. Uh, Paint away. <laughs> after a few cars, somebody finally stops to pick up this hysterical woman, and they take her to the nearest phone so that she can call police. Oh, not a hospital? <laughs> no. Okay. They take it to a phone. Well, I mean, that's still. Here's a nickel, bitch. Go to the, go to the pay phone. <laughs> so she calls police. They come and pick her up, and she's taken to the police station. She describes being kidnapped and raped. Uh, she was picked up in California a week earlier. So she had been held for a week uh, after oh, hitching a ride with a trucker at a truck stop who said his name was Dusty and that he was headed west. That's a tip. Oh, my God. If that was a truck driver, have I ever heard? Dust, Dusty and I'm heading out west. <laughs> yeah. After so, so she gets in the truck with him. Mm-hmm. And after a few hours of being on the road, she falls asleep in the back Don't of his cab. Don't fall asleep. <laughs> right, yeah. Especially if you're in a fucking truck. That with is a stranger. Right. And... <sighs> I don't have you you know what the inside of like a semi truck cab okay. looks like. Mm-hmm. It's got the seats up front and then in the back there's like a bed for sleeping yeah, or whatever. If you else. have a nice truck. <laughs> yeah. Um 
So she falls asleep. Huge mistake. Uh, it's exactly what this guy, Dusty, in air quotes, was waiting for. Um, and before Nicole Tuttle knew what was happening, before she was fully awake, he had chained her to the walls. Hands and feet um, in the back, chained to the walls. And gagged her. So, oh, my word. <laughs> yes. So this is where it gets a little graphic. Mm. Um, she said he had whipped her and pierced her with pins and fish hooks before. Oh, fish hooks. Mm-hmm. That was the part that I was like, oh, Oh, fuck. I've had a fish hook caught in my finger. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, so, uh, before he raped and sodomized her multiple times over the course of six days. He also took her back to his apartment at one point in time where she was allowed to shower before she was raped again. While at the apartment, he cut off all of her hair with a straight razor. And this is the thing that would actually become his MO was cutting off uh, the woman's hair with a straight razor. Um, Well, maybe not necessarily with a straight razor, but cutting cutting like all of their hair off. Um, So after three hours of being at the apartment, she was put back into the truck, but for whatever reason, was not chained back up in the back of the truck. That move, dude. (laughs) Right. They stopped at this brewery so that... Wait, a brewery? A brewery. So for, like, beer? No, to (laughs) so that he could pick up his next, like, freight. What is he he trucking? He was picking up a fridge, I think. Okay. I was like, you just stopped off for a pint mid, like, (laughs) fucking kidnapping. I believe they said he was, uh, in my notes I put freight, I believe they said he was picking up a fridge, though. I'm guessing it's probably one of those, like, industrial-sized fridges. I don't know. (laughs) For a second, I was like, this fucking idiot didn't chain her up. And then stopped to get a beer. Yeah. Typical man. But (laughs) when he goes in to pick up the freight, he leaves her alone in the truck. And she is obviously like, fuck, this is probably my only chance to get away. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so she uses that opportunity to escape and um, finds the guy on the road, gets a ride to the phone slash police station, blah, blah, blah. So not long after she goes to the police station to put this report in, police spot a trucker whose truck matches the description that Nicole Tuttle had given them. However, when police, they actually take her to go identify the man, she says it's not the person who attacked her. Oh, honey. Um, Come on. Right. (laughs) So they did do a background check on him. He didn't have any outstanding warrants or past convictions. So they had nothing to hold him on and they let him go. Nicole tells police to stop searching because she would be too afraid to testify against the guy that attacked her. Uh, all she wanted to do was go home. Which, to me, I'm thinking back to being an 18-year-old and some shit like that happens. It's literally like, I just want to go home. I would be the opposite. I would, like, rage cage on his face. I would claw his eyes out. <laughs> you, yeah. But, I mean, she <laughs> I was, was, like... far angrier I'm, then. Yeah. <laughs> so true. <laughs> um... But, I mean, so, it's it's very much like, I'm too afraid to testify against him. I just want to go That's home. Take me home. I want to go victims home. are. They just, like, I don't fucking care anymore. Just right. get me out of here. So, on the same day, a few hours later... Busy schedule. Right. <laughs> uh, 
the same day that Nicole Tuttle escaped and only 15 miles away in Pasadena, Texas, 14-year-old Regina Walters was thumbing for rides with her new boyfriend, who she was running away with. Are they related? Related to what? You. (laughs) I thought it was funny. I was doing research on this um, last night, and and the person I was with was like, Walters, that's your last name. I'm like, I did not do that on purpose. When I was researching the Eiler case, the freaking DA's name was Jack O'Malley. I was like, yeah. Connection? Related. Everyone's like, are you related to this O'Malley? I was like, no. 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 My family's not from Illinois. Go away. (laughs) So she was running away uh, with this new boyfriend of hers. Uh, Regina's parents were divorced, and so her mom lived in Pasadena, and her dad lived in Houston, where um, Nicole Tuttle was found. Her mother, Regina's mother, worked really late hours, and she came home basically to find out that her daughter was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't see any notes. There was no sign that she had been back to the house. She called around to Regina's friends and her father, and no one had heard from her, so she basically kind of just disappeared. She was reported as a missing person to the, to, and this is where I got a a little tricky, but I'll just say to the police. I think one, I found that it was the Houston police, but there's a lot of like working back and forth between Houston and Pasadena. So, Mm -hmm. um, she's reported to the police as a missing person two days later. Okay. So how old is she again? 14. That's very surprising because she's a minor. Right. Well, um, her mom had gone out and hung missing person flyers with no response in that two-day time. And this was the 90s, right? Right. This is in the 90s. This so is very shocking to me. <laughs> when um, Regina's mother went to go talk to police, she um, basically what happened or what she told police is that the night that she disappeared, um, she had told her mom at, which I this is the whole thing is a little crazy to me, but it was like 930 at night and she told her mom, I'm going to hang out with a friend. And, of course, her mom was like, it's a little late. I think you should stay in. Whatever. They Fuck get, you, mom. They get into this Kick huge argument. <laughs> and after a while, her mom relents and lets her go. I mean, I was like that. Too. Not 14. At least I waited until I was little. Six. Which, I'm like, 14 <laughs> seems a little young. A little to young. Like, 9.30 is late. Like, I don't know. To just be out on your own at that point at the night, I it mean, seems... Yeah. I don't know. Um, but apparently Regina also had a history of running away, mm. but would always return on her own after a couple of days, which to me kind of explains why... They didn't jump on it from the start. Yeah, it took her two days to file a police report that she was a missing person, because normally I she mean, just comes back. If I was a police officer, I would still be like... I would still go forth and look for her, even if she is a runaway all the time, because there's obviously something wrong. If a child feels the need to run away constantly, right, that's an issue. Yeah. Like, you need to be watching out for them. Yeah. Well, and part of me wonders if a lot of it, because her parents live so close, because um, Pasadena and Houston are only, like, 15 miles from each other. So mm-hmm. I wonder if it was a lot of, like, if she was with her mom, she would, like, run away back to her dad's house, exactly. you know, or something like her that. Her parents are divorced. Right. She's obviously feeling neglected. Yeah. It's a cry for help. Yeah. Well, and especially if she finds out that she's running away with some random guy who we'll get to in a little bit. Oh, my God. And you're 14? Like, girl. Yeah. Oh, actually, we'll get to that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So after a few days of these flyers being put out, some tips came in. She had put, Regina's mom had put her phone number on, so she was getting some tips in. 
Um, they find out that Regina was running away with a man named Ricky Lee Jones. And those three names. Yeah, right. Mm, never a good sign. <laughs> uh, that they were in love. Of and, course you're in love right? when you're 14. <laughs> and running away to Mexico where he had family. Okay. Uh, the l- tricky part about it was, is he was actually 18. Oh, it's just dry rape. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he was also at the time on probation for a theft charge. Mm-hmm. And because basically what they talked about is that once her mom realized she was gone, she started hanging out missing person flyers. They think that Ricky and Regina saw the flyers around town and thought, oh, fuck, we got to get out of here because he's 18, she's 14, so they can get in big fucking trouble. Right. And because he's on probation, he leaves the jurisdiction. Now he's on a a parole violation. So they put out a warrant for his arrest. Mm -hmm. Um, They also entered Regina's info into... The National Crime Information Center, the NCIC, which this was started in 1967. So basically what that is, is it's a program that criminal justice agencies use to enter any, basically anything. So if there's... um like descriptions of maybe Jane or John Doe's that they're finding. If they're looking for somebody, a description of that person, missing vehicles, missing property. So this is like a national sort of APB. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that way you can go in, say you find a body in California, you can go in and say, I have a um, remains of somebody that matches this description. And you can see if there's something that matches that description somewhere mm-hmm. else. Um, which you think people would utilize more. Right. I hadn't even heard of that. Which I, know that I thought was... was really interesting because it sounds like they did not use this at all when they were looking for Eiler. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't use any of that. No. It doesn't sound like And I imagine it probably didn't become computerized until the 90s, which, right. I mean, who the fuck wants to call around and ask for paperwork? Yeah, and I'm wondering... Especially not a lazy police officer. <laughs> right. I'm wondering if 1967, they would have had that much information in there. They're probably still... Um, adding all the information. On March 17th, Regina's father in Houston receives a strange phone call on his home phone from an unknown number, and it was a voice, a male's voice, that he did not recognize at all. The caller asked if he was Regina's father. He said yes. He also said he knew where to find her. He said, the caller said, that Regina was in a loft in a barn and that there had been some changes that her hair was cut. Now, is this, this is the killer? The, this is a, an unknown caller that is calling Regina's father. It's not Ricky. Where's Ricky? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and Ricky... Well, I'll get to that. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, yeah, this is, I had to tell it in this way because there are so many crazy twists and turns (laughs) in this case for real. Yeah. So, um, Regina's father asked if, asked this guy who called, asked if she was alive or dead and he hung up. It was reported to the police when the father was brought in for questioning later on. And the police then had Southern Bell try to trace the call, but. Oh my God. 
Yeah, it was a process that took several several days. My grandmother used so, to work for a phone company. Like, yeah, that takes a while. It's a couple of days. So basically, and that was the only lead that they had. Mm-hmm. So at that point, police in Texas were kind of in Houston were kind of at a standstill. Go back to Pasadena on the same night that Regina's father received that call. Um, her mother also received a call from an unknown person saying that he had information regarding Regina and that he wanted to tell her in person. So he told Regina's mother to meet him at a convenience store the next day and then hung up without giving a name or a description of this person. So she had no idea who she was looking for. She tells the police who are like, it's not a good idea, but if you're going to go do it, we're going to come with you basically. So they're observing her from a distance. Um, she goes to the store, waits for over two hours, but nobody shows basically. Fast forward to April 23rd, police find skeletal remains in in a Pasadena riverbed. It was of a young female, and it was determined that her age and weight were similar to Regina Walters. They brought Regina's dental records in to the medical examiner, and it was determined that the remains found did not belong to Regina. And that was the first uh, set of remains that would turn up and they wouldn't find another set of remains for months after that. Wait, so what was the time period between this? So, okay. Um, the phone calls that Regina's mom and dad got, that was on March 17th. Mm-hmm. The, they wouldn't find a set of remains, the first set of remains until April 23rd. Okay. For a second, I thought it was like really quick. I'm like, you can't, the body doesn't skeletonize that fast. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, that is, that is a pretty significant amount of time. Right. So on um, fast forward again to October 12th, uh, two young boys were playing near a dirt road in Manville, Texas. That's just South of Houston. They came upon a wood pile that they found out contained human remains as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so they stumbled upon these remains. They ran home to tell their parents, who then, of course, called the police. They were too badly decomposed to be identified at the site. The best they could guess was that it belonged to a child, but they had to wait until the autopsy was performed to get any further identification. They took, um, thinking it might be Regina, because it was a small set of remains, they took Regina's dental records to be compared with the new remains found, and after intense scrutiny, it was determined they did not match. So that was body number two. Jesus. <laughs> right. Yeah. While the investigation in Texas, so that's all happening in Texas, a farmer in Bond County, Illinois, it's near I-70, just west of Edwardsville. That's pretty far away. Yeah. I know. Jump jump to Illinois from Whoa. Texas. What? <laughs> yes. Uh, so this farmer in Bond County was getting ready to burn down this old barn on his property. It was like a barn that he had not been in in years. Hold on, wait, loft? Barn loft? I'm, I'm drawing connections. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. So it I should is, be an investigative right? <laughs> Armchair detective? Is yes. that what they call it? What's that website you can go on? Web sleuth? Yes, I'm a web sleuther. <laughs> uh, so he decides to go, before he burns it down, he decides to go in and kind of do a once-over. He hadn't been in there in years, so everything that was in there was long since forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of looked around just to make sure there wasn't anything he wanted to keep, didn't really see anything particularly interesting, until 
he noticed that there was a pile of hay that was kind of strewn about in the loft. And he looked a little closer and discovered that there were skeleton, uh, skeletal remains found, and he immediately called the police. When the oh my poli- God, how horrifying is that? You're on your property and you find a dead fucking body well, he was, that you didn't kill. <laughs> he was literally about to burn the barn down. It's a good thing he did a walkthrough. Right? Oh That's what God. I'm thinking. It's just been they, destroyed evidence. Exactly. <laughs> and they would have never, they would have never known. No. Never. So he calls the police. Um, they didn't find any clothes on or near the body. So there was no identification or anything found on or near the body. They found a single white thread that seemed too new to have been sitting in there the as long as the, yeah. the rest of the stuff in the barn. Um, and bailing wire that matched the wire that was wrapped around the victim's neck. There was still some hair attached to the head and due oh, to the size of the skull. They thought that it might belong, uh, belong to a child, but they couldn't determine anything else at the scene of the crime. Yeah, well, she fucking was a child. <laughs> right. Uh, so after some forensic, um, it was a forensic anthropologist that examined the remains, they confirmed that it was a female, 14 to 16. Um, indication was there that her hair had been cut recently. And the cause of death was strangulation. The bailing wire used nearly severed the victim's head. Because it is sharp. was wrapped around her neck 16 times. Oh my god. Yeah. Just fucking crazy. And they, um, I was watching like a little thing about it on YouTube. The, and they showed bailing wire and it's like thin. It's very thin. Thin it's wire. It's like a piano so, wire. Ugh, just the thought of that was like, oh god. I mean, I've had to move bales of hay. Mm-hmm. And they use those mostly for the larger, like, round circular bales. And that stuff is sharp. It's yeah. very sharp, even yeah. though it's thin. And I'm sure it I was something that was just imagine. in there that he was able to oh, grab. Yeah. And it's not hard to cut. I mean, it's thin. It'll just, like, ping right off. But, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, they also determined that the victim found in the barn had been killed approximately a year before. That just, that's so weird and fascinating to me, like, how quickly a body can skeletonize. Like, that's... Crazy. And I'm sure it depends, I mean, obviously it depends on the weather and yeah. the environment that it's in. That one is interesting because it would have been in, like, a An covered... area, yeah. You know, not necessarily subject to weather yeah, or, you know, maybe elements. animals, but... You know. I imagine it was probably pretty well preserved then. Yeah. Um... Then they examined the white fiber that they found by the remains. It was cotton, but not the type that you find in clothing. It was a lot closer to the fibers that they use in towels. So it sounds to me like it's a thicker fiber. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So they took that information from Illinois and entered it into the NCIC, that database. Um, And they talked about creating teletypes, which sounds like it's like, a large-scale fax kind of thing. <laughs> For some That's what I imagine. It brings up, like, Morse code in my brain. I like, just like... Da, 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 da. It looks like <laughs> they used the um, that paper that had, like, the the 
perforated whole things oh, on like the carbon side. carbon copy paper? Yeah. Oh, my God. And they would send teletypes to jurisdictions who had cases open that matched the description. Yeah, that is like a the- fax. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the 90s. <laughs> right. Um, so they sent these teletypes out, and um, of course, this made it back to Pasadena, where they were looking for Regina Walters, and they immediately got in touch with law enforcement in Illinois. Basically, what happened is the cops in Pasadena called the cops in Illinois, and the cops in Illinois said, we have such an influx of calls related to this victim that we found. We'll have to call you back. Thinking really quickly, Pasadena police remembered the strange phone calls that her parents had gotten and asked immediately if the body was found in a loft in a barn. Oh, my God. Which I was <laughs> like, thank God. Yeah. Way to use your brain. Um, I'm surprised because, I mean, Texas and Illinois are notorious for fucking everything up. Yeah, kudos (laughs) to the cops on this one. I think they did a really good job on this one. Um, This, of course, description matched the remains that were found in Illinois. And so Pasadena immediately sent a copy of the dental x-rays to the cops in Illinois, and they were a match. So they did find Regina. Jing, jing, (laughs) jing. In the barn, however, they had not found her boyfriend, Ricky. They did um, eventually question Ricky Lee Jones's sister, who had said he'd been missing for a year. So this was basically a year later. Mm -hmm. They went and talked to his family um, and that they had pretty much thought he like led a life of crime and ended up in jail or something. So they didn't they didn't really sound too concerned. Why didn't they talk to the his family in the first place? I'm not sure. I couldn't tell you. I mean, that could have ruled him out pretty quickly, I think. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it's just because... It might have been because they didn't report him missing. Because they just but assumed... I mean, if his... If her parents were like, well, she's been with him, right? why wouldn't you go question his family and be like, have you seen him? When's the last time you've seen him? What, you know, where do you think he went? Did you see him with Regina? Like, right. They did ask her if uh, they took a picture of Regina and showed it to his sister. She said she had never um, seen Regina before. Oh, wow. And they had a an FBI profiler because because it was across state lines. They had to get the FBI involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which is good, mostly. <laughs> yeah. And so they had an FBI prof- uh, profiler come up with a profile of the killer um, that did not match Ricky. They basically said because of the crime scene at the loft in the barn, it was um, it wasn't like messy. It wasn't like a crime of passion. Right. It was like calculated. Which kind of signaled to them that it was probably an older gentleman and somebody who had done stuff like that before. It just didn't really match the profile of Ricky. So they pretty quickly after that ruled him out uh, as Regina's killer. Um, a little later on, his remains, uh, what was suspected to be his remains, washed up in a town just north of Houston. I did see... Um, that they identified his remains in 2008. Oh. At, I think at the time they didn't probably have the technology or they didn't have the uh, a DNA profile of his to match with the skeleton, and they must have gotten it at some point. Dental records or anything like right. that. So after that, their investigation basically came to a screeching halt. Uh, meanwhile... 
in Arizona. Oh no! Yes, it's even further away. <laughs> uh, in Arizona, a policeman came at the end of his shift. Came across his trailer parked off of the side of an interstate on ramp and went to go tell the truck driver he needed to move it because it was a hazard to passing drivers on the roadway. As he walked up, he noticed that the lights were on and that the engine was running. And when he basically got to the driver's side door, a man jumped out, immediately put his hands up, spread his hands against the side of the truck, told the police officer he had a gun in his back pocket. So he was like... Don't shoot me, yeah. (laughs) He basically jumped out of the truck and said, everything's cool here, put his hands up, hey, I got a gun in my back pocket. The cop took it immediately, but was like, it's all good, everything's all good. Um, Outside, the officer could hear a woman screaming for help from inside of the cab. So they found out that the trucker was Robert Ben Rhodes. The woman who I could not find a name for, Um, she was found with her hands and feet chained in the cab of the truck. Uh, They also discovered an array of torture devices and tools, bloody towels, and a camera, as well as hair that didn't belong to the woman that was found in the cab. Uh, Her situation when she described it to the police, was almost identical to what happened to Nicole Tuttle Mm -hmm. originally in Pasadena. Um, But one thing that she did tell police was the man had told her that his name was Whips and Chains. Is he a rapper? (laughs) What? And he... I was... When I was looking at some of the articles and stuff. One of the places, of course, that I always go to is Murderpedia. Yes. Right? (laughs) Um, They have this, like, photo gallery of him. First of all, this picture, this is why I picked this creepy creepy cockeyed motherfucker. He looks like fucking Popeye. He is terrifying. Photoshop a fucking pipe over his mouth. That's Popeye. And it's like, this is is what he looks like. Why would you get in his truck? When he was arrested, yeah. He's just like an old creepy guy with those, um, what do you call those glasses? They're like the... Like aviators almost. Yeah, like the big aviator glasses. Just creepy looking. And I'm wondering if he had a stroke at some point when he was in prison, because now he looks Well, if he's from Texas, I mean, that's kind of a look of it. Right, yeah. (laughs) But as He looks like a lot of truck drivers I've seen. I know. I wonder if that's a requirement to, like, be a truck driver, is you have to look creepy. You have have a smush face? Like, just, ugh. A Picasso painting. In this photo gallery, they have a picture of him in, like, full bondage get up like the where it's got like the chains down Is that and like they the, found in like the stuff that they found it was like a picture of him at a swingers party in like bondage chain shit if you could look at my face right now it's a disgusted <laughs> face like a what i want to kill myself because yeah i don't want to imagine that any longer yeah so this guy is <laughs> creepy as fuck i just yeah oh my god that just 
That brings me back. Okay, so when I was 16 and a couple of our friends worked at the truck stop not too far from here, they were waitresses. Right. We were waiting for her to get off work and a truck driver came and like tried to sit in our booth with us and asked me and my friend if we could be his girlfriend in Illinois. And I was... It, I bet you he was wearing whips and chains under oh that Oh my outfit. god, it just brought back like this horrible memory because I was like, get the fuck out of here. And that's when yeah. I was like, punk as fuck. I was like, I'll kick your fucking ass, old man. Get out of here. <laughs> and he Which was like, oh, well, like I advised you one. I was like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> well, and you ask why the fuck he would get into a car, a truck or something like that with a guy like that. The fact is, a lot of times it's people looking for rides and they'll take yeah. a ride from and whoever they, they can get it. And then they follow past in the back what's of the car. going on right there yeah. to be like, there's potential to be murdered here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he was arrested for aggravated assault, sexual assault, and unlawful imprisonment for the woman that they found in the back of the cab. They did find out later, um, well, while he was in prison for all of that stuff, police got a warrant to search his apartment, and they found all of his bondage stuff, woman's jewelry. I mean, there's nothing wrong with bondage. Right. But I mean, when you pair it with like, there is when you're kidnapping. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, bloody towels, bloody white towels, women's clothing, (laughs) and photos, a lot of photos of women with short hair. And some of these women were in the clothing that was found at his apartment. What is with the hair cutting? I don't know. We need to find I did not find. <laughs> I know. I did not find a single thing that explained again with what, the Game of Thrones thing. I'm just thinking, Cersei. Cersei oh like, my god! Haircut. Like shame on. Like just a shame. shame just dumb. this is going to be the theme of our episode three. Is just like shame. shame. <laughs> uh, it would take another year after that before. Before the police would confirm with Nicole Tuttle that she had, in fact, so after she she went to identify this guy, Dusty, who was actually Robert Rhodes. You would um, never forget that face. Right. Yeah. No, (laughs) creepy ass face. Uh, she, they took her back to the hospital after that. And while she was at the hospital, she, she had in fact told police that Rhodes was the one who had kidnapped her, but she didn't want to press charges against him because she just wanted to go home. Like, I don't want to press charges. I just want to go home. I mean, that was probably a mortifying experience and she probably didn't want to see him again. Just relive it over and over. And I'm wondering if you can like file a police report without pressing charges because I feel like that would have been in a police report somewhere unless you can't like file one. I, I think you can file charges. a police report, but then they won't do anything unless you press charges. It's just like, yeah. it's just like, Oh, we took notes on this. Which kind of makes me surprised that, um, I, I don't know. It just, I feel like then that would have been on his, his file somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't but know. I mean, because she didn't press charges, then it wouldn't have had a file for him. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's like when you file a police report for a noise complaint or something like that. It's just, it's just in their system. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Once you name names. They also discovered that one of the, a, a, about a year later, about the same time they were t- uh, back talking to Nicole Tuttle, they also discovered that one of the women in the photos was in a barn. They realized it was in a barn. This is his, like... And it was later confirmed to be Regina Walters in one of the photos. And I don't know, this could be one of those fucked up things that I do, but 
I don't know if you've ever seen those lists online where it's like top 10, like photos of people right before, like their last known photo kind oh, of God, thing. Oh God, no. Why would I look into that? Okay, so that's I already just have enough then. weird stuff going on in my brain by no, myself. No, Tiff just gave me a high five motion, so I'm not the only one. I, this, okay. this picture. I have been in enough scary situations in my life where I don't need to be going into yeah. other people. <laughs> Well, and this, the picture of (laughs) Regina Walters is one that pops up on those, on those lists, which I did not realize when I started researching. Oh my God. Now I'm interested and I'm going to have nightmares for the rest of the week. Yeah. And it's a, it's a really terror. It's a sad photo because she is, um, she's in this black dress. She's got her hands up. Oh yeah. My God. And these pictures are in the barn that she was killed in. So these are her last known photos are her in this black dress with the short hair. (gasps) And this, you can see it when she, before she got kidnapped, she it's, I know this is such a small thing, but she had this like big, beautiful, almost 80s hair. And seeing a picture of her in this barn is, I just, that's That's poor. Yeah. (laughs) That poor girl. She just looks fucking terrified. What is even happening? And the dress in that picture that she's in is Mm -hmm. one that they found in his apartment. So this is something that he takes photos of girls repeatedly. Right. It sounds like they would, he had clothing that he would put on different victims. Yeah. Have you seen this before? That's nightmarish. Yeah. Thanks for backing me up, Tiff. That's why I don't look into it, yeah. because that's just So I got horrifying. to basically the end of my research and found that out and was like, oh, shit, I've seen that picture before, not realizing it was the same person. Oh, God, no. I was never the kid who was fascinated with, like, the faces of death, like, yeah. and things like, um, I don't... I'm fucked up I like know that. snuff exists. I don't need to oh, see it. Well, I'm not, like, going out and looking for fucking snuff <laughs> What do you think films? Faces I'm of not, Death is? I'm not crazy like that. Snuff films marketed to teenagers, okay? No. No, I'm not that crazy. I can't do that stuff. I've seen I've seen a lot of shit in my day. I don't need to see it again. <laughs> so ultimately, uh, in 1994, Robert Ben Rhodes was convicted of the first degree murder of Regina Walters and was sentenced to life without parole at Menard Correctional Center in Chester, Illinois. I did find somewhere, too, that he was in Statesville at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, that prison's fucking creepy as shit. Yeah. So he was actually uh, extradited to Utah in 2005 to be tried for the deaths of Candace Walsh and Douglas Zyskowski. And these were people that were found in Utah? So what happened, if I am remembering correctly, I wish I would have taken a little more notes on on these two. Um, They were from Texas and their bodies were found in Utah. So he could be tried for murder in Utah, but per the family's request, they decided to drop the charges in Utah and had him extradited to Texas. Texas. Okay. And um, the deal was, is there's death penalty in Texas. That's the deal. (laughs) However, um, he had a deal with the DA that he would drop the death penalty if he pled guilty to their murders. So he also received a life sentence in Texas without the possibility. Now, did he kill Ricky? They, I don't, 
think that he was ever convicted of killing Ricky. Because when did they find his body? That was like years later, right? They found yeah. Th- well, they had confirmed it that it was him in two thousand and eight, uh, and no one thought to look into that. Like as supposedly they were last together. Yeah, I get. I mean, I guess not. Well, and I wonder if the family didn't. I mean, it seems to me like since they kind of assumed he had gone the way of crime, probably ended up in prison if they, I'm I'm sure at some point they had to be notified about it. That just strikes me so odd that no one even considered looking into that. Yeah. Um, Let me see if I can. Let me see. Yeah. Like, there's no good picture that they could use of him for his Wikipedia. It's just like everything is horrifying. Ricky's remains were found in 91, but he wasn't identified until July 2008. That's a long fucking time. It doesn't seem like he was ever convicted of that, though. I don't know that they had anything necessarily to tie him to Ricky's murder. So he that was is so shocking that they didn't even think, like... And it doesn't mention any means of him, like, they didn't talk about how he died or how they found him or anything? Not. They found him, um, he had died from a bullet wound to the head, so it sounded to me like Rhodes was trying, allegedly, if if he had anything to do with his murder, just wanted him out of the way so he could do because what he wanted. Because this is how I imagine it. They were running away together. They probably got picked up by him. They did together, yeah. Together, he got rid of him and then just kept her. Right. That's that's what I imagine happened. Yeah. Because where did they find him again? It was uh, washed up on a riverbed just south of Pasadena. But yeah, they probably he probably just tossed him the fuck out of the oh, truck. Because yeah. that wasn't it wasn't far from where they would have been picked up. No, just outside of Pasadena. That's so surprising to me that they didn't even think about that, consider it, look into it, give a shit about it. Right. Yeah. And as far as I know, he is still alive in Illinois. I don't know how that works when you have multiple life sentences, if you just serve them out in one place or if you have to get moved halfway through, but... Yeah, I think they just pick a place. And I yeah. mean, you can you can be transferred to any correctional facility in the nation. Right. So at the end of the day, he had confirmed, uh, killed three people. He is suspected of 50 plus, but again... Because <laughs> of the access to the interstate highways, it's hard to tell um, if you're just dumping bodies off the side of the road, if there's a pattern, unless it's something um, like, for instance, with him, it was cutting the hair. Your guy was tie- uh, tying up and stabbing, stabbing and pants down. <laughs> yeah. So unless there's some big, strong thing and like that. And to those things, I mean... They, you know, may decide to take a different route in one murder or, you know, forget that they were supposed to ring nylon cord and then just, you know, kind of go with it. Right. Yep. There's too many variables. Exactly. And, I mean, when you're creating profiles and things like that, you have a good basis of understanding of psychology and, you know, the potential of what a person could do. But you, for you, there's no possible way that you could be 100% sure about any of the things that you're, you know, writing about yeah. <laughs> when you create these MOs. Although it does sound like the FBI had a little something to try and help 
identify these yeah, victims so, on the roadways? I mean, my my guy was early 80s. Yeah. Your guy was mid-90s. Right. Um, so, 2003, let's go fast forward 10 more <laughs> years. Uh, we're doing decade increments here. Yeah. Um, the FBI finally was like, you know, we should probably get on this. It's only been 30 years since, you know, we started seeing patterns. Um so in 2003-2004, the FBI started the FBI Highway Serial Killing Initiative. You know there's a problem if when you have to start make an a initiative. Whole initiative for it. Um, so in 2003, they started compiling data. Where, I'm going to put this up on the Facebook page. Um, there's this beautiful map. This is data that's from 2003. This isn't data previous to that. So just keep that in mind when I start throwing numbers out. 2003, this is the map. There is a map. There's red dots all over, okay? These dots signify 750 people whose bodies were found near U.S. highways. That's just 2003. It's almost like um, if you have ever seen those maps of, like, pedophiles that live in your area. Oh, yeah. It's like that with red fucking dots all over the map. It is Fucked up. And you can see these clusters yeah. right in central metropolitan areas, these major highway systems. I mean, that makes me never want to drive down a highway again. I'd rather take the scary country road. Right. But they identified 750 bodies and 450 potential suspects. Potential, not even investigated. These are yeah. just potential people that were around these areas, that were tracked, that have some sort of criminal record. Um, they compiled this stuff into a database, and this allows, like, local, state, um, you know, all kinds of federal law enforcement to have access so that when they find a body or they, you know, suspect this guy of being involved in something, they can look up this information on this database and pull up trends and link victims yeah. and, and potential murderers to other killers. So it kind of sounds like the NCIC in that way where it's like, here's how they were found. If you can connect, you know, certain victims that were found in a certain way, except strictly for the interstate highway system versus like yes. a general blanket. And I mean, it only concentrates on serial killings. So killings that are connected, it's not like, you know, one-off sort of thing. So it's really, it's very condensed. Um, but, I mean, it's been 10 years since it's, 12 years, however many years since its creation, and it's helped a little bit in a couple of cases, but it's not, it's not done enough yet to really say that <laughs> It's like, yeah. it's going to help cut this down. Yeah. And you can go to, because I know I was looking at, like, the FBI's um, website. They have one uh, page on their website that actually has, it's basically people who have been caught from the Highway Initiative or, um, or you know, suspected kind of, you know, they think they've connected so so many bodies. So you can kind of go on and see yeah. the things that the, that they've done with that. I was trying to find, like, because I know that they had some data from um, this, and I just, I cannot find where it is now. Um, but Do your Googling, people. I know, like, Google search. But if you go, if you look up uh, FBI Highway Serial Killer Initiative, it will bring up the FBI government website. There's a lot of videos. There's that fucked up map that you can look at. 
Um, there's a couple of really good articles on there kind of talking about it. It's, it's interesting, but again, it, we're, it's going to take a while before we really see this being taken care of before. I mean, there's more stringent criminal background checks before we can, I mean, now and where we're at now in technology wise, they take photographs of every license plate that goes through every, you know, tollway system, but not every state has a tollway system. So again, it's right. a little bit harder. Um, but like in Illinois where we are, they told the shit out of us. Like there's tolls everywhere. Oh yeah. The Midwest is toll city. So you'll see, uh, you know, and I know for damn sure they got pictures of my license plate out. Oh there, yeah. Cause they all have the cameras when you go through the iPass. Well system. now our tollway yeah. system is completely iPass. Yeah. You cannot go through a change anymore. You have to go through the iPass system and pay online. So they have to take pictures right. of every single vehicle that goes through that iPass arch. Yeah. So they are taking pictures of license plates. When you go to a certain truck stops, it's more specific for the way stations and the actual like truck stops that trucks go to specifically. Yeah. They are taking pictures. They are tracking data of these trucks, weights, the driver. So they're getting a little more stringent with these, these facts. And, and this is stuff that is going into this highway serial killer initiative. They are compiling this data from the transit, the U S transportation and all of these separate trucking companies that are willing to participate in, um, submitting their criminal background checks. Because again, that is a prof- like truck driving is a profession where they allow you to have a criminal background because you're not working generally with the public. You're mostly by yourself. Right. Um, <clears throat> But you also have to take in consideration that is, I, that's a risk for a company. Yeah. If you hire someone with a significant criminal background, you're putting yourself more at risk. So it is sometimes in the company's best interest not to report that, not to cooperate, because that's a bad name on their trunking company. But also there's truckers who have their own trucks who don't are not backed by a company. They own their truck. Yeah, it's they almost like they they're want. like a freelance Yeah, they're freelance trucker. truckers. Yeah. Um, so that's another complication. So there's all of these complications in this formula of bullshit that really creates this problem. It is, I mean, I can imagine back in the 70s and 80s why no one could connect these things. Yep. Because what information do you have? No one's taking pictures. You don't pay tolls back then. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to check in. You could drive for 24 hours and no, I mean, there's yeah, regulations there's so now. There's so many back more then, regulations now who the to fuck cares? control that shit. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's a very fascinating aspect of serial killing. If if you are interested in this as much as I was, look into it. Um, there's a really good book by uh, um, an investigative journalist called Free to Kill about Larry Eiler. That's a really good book if you want to read more about the case. Um, you can go. There's a couple articles. Um, we're going to put one up from the New York Times. It's a really good video, um, sort of an investigative look into um, the Larry Eiler case, so. Yeah. yeah. There's gonna be maps and videos coming in your yeah. face. <laughs> so you can just, like, get in there with us oh, and, yeah. like, <laughs> look it up. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for tuning into yeah. this episode. Oh, we're so happy.
have you with us. We've got lots of stuff to talk about at the end now that yeah. we're now uh, three episodes into it. I think when we recorded the first two, we were still getting a lot of shit figured out. Yes. So, so thank you for hanging in there with thanks us. Thanks for hanging in. Um, we do have some shout outs. Do you want to yeah. like take turns doing? Yeah, sure. I'll do some mine. Shout outs. Okay. okay. So I would like to um, make a little shout out to the Mind of Madness podcast. Um, you can reach them on Twitter at madness pod thank you guys for they were just like really positive and be like yeah. oh my god check these girls out they're so fucking funny yeah like, oh thank you you oh, like my heart funny. oh my god <laughs> i'm finally validated yeah <laughs> um i would like to give a big shout out to friend of the pod cider scene Ooh. yeah so cider scene is actually a facebook page right do they have a website they have a website and a okay. facebook page you can get merchandise um it's a great <laughs> Yeah. It's, so I don't want to be like... To be fa- okay, so disclaimer, <laughs> to be fair... Um, I participate in this. Yeah, Cider Scene is... It's run by uh, Trevor and Nolan O'Malley, which you might recognize because it's actually... Oh, they're my brothers. Janelle's brothers. Um, but they have actually been... so a contributor. Yeah, also that. Uh, but honest, they have actually been doing a really great job of sharing and spreading the word for mm-hmm. our podcast, so we thought we would return the favor and yes. do the same. They have... They so do check really, them out. Yeah, they do really great events. Cider reviews. I love cider so they i was like hell yeah awesome merch like some my brother designed some really awesome shirts that are like crazy that's great that's awesome <laughs> um also i would like to give a little shout out to uh teen creeps their podcast you can reach them on twitter at teen creeps pod they're on feral audio too if you listen to my favorite murder they're on there uh, too feral audio yeah. <laughs> um they review young adult like fiction novels oh, like that's cool they're so funny and really? they gave us some love and a shout out on, yes. <laughs> on twitter shout out, teen creeps and i was so like they're so funny they are like the cutest like oh kitty <laughs> sorry we're having cat difficulties come here aggro come here. <laughs> i just want to be on the podcast yeah. aggro wants a shout out <laughs> Um, shout out to all the cats. Shout out to all the kittens. <laughs> um, they were so like sweet. They were like, "Oh my gosh, thanks guys, we love you." Like your episode is great, and I'm like, "Oh," and I listen to them. Hey, Teen Creeps, we love you too. Yes, <laughs> I listen to their podcast, and my favorite episode is when they were talking about flowers in the attic. Have you ever read that book? No. Oh my god, go so. read it. Okay, it's horrifying. It's you know. The children being trapped in an addict, incest, murder. Oh, oh yeah, it's gross. It's a gross, gross book, but it's also fascinating. Um, but yeah, check their podcasts out. They're so funny. <laughs> we also would like to admit that we <laughs> fucked up last time um, and did not shout out Tiff Weech for doing our sound and editing. So thanks, Tiff. Yeah. You're the best. So our and sound Jason. and editing, yeah, our sound <laughs> and editing is done by Tiff Weech. Our music is by Jason Z, whose last name I'm not going to try and pronounce until I yeah. find out how to pronounce it. So I'm not going to embarrass myself like that. No, no. Yes, thank you guys. Thanks, you guys. so much help. <laughs> uh, my last shout out is going to Eric C., I will not put his last name out there because <laughs> I mean, with us, we're like out there already. So. Yeah. Um, Eric C. You know who you are, Eric C. Yeah, he's a friend of the pod. Um, definitely gave some really encouraging words, but uh, he has been doing a really great job. I actually got a message from him saying that he has some buddies who work in a machine shop that he 
kind of recommended us to. Oh, sweet. So my challenge to all of you is yeah. do like Eric C and tell five friends this yeah. week. Let's telephone about this our, shit out. About our God, yeah. And those five friends will tell five friends. And those yeah, right? five friends will tell five friends. And maybe <laughs> if you tell us about the people that you are recommending to, mm-hmm. we might give you a shout out. On yeah, the shout out. And you can also like contact us on our oh, Facebook. Shit. Wait, we got really exciting news. Oh no, what? Well... <laughs> You guys already know this by now, um, but we do have a website. Which yes, is yes, website. Really exciting. Go check our website yeah, out. BadTasteCrimeKiosk.com. Uh, we will have all of our audio definitely posted there. But you can also mm-hmm. find us on Google Play, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher. Stitcher. Please rate, review, subscribe. You can shout us out on Twitter at BTCrimeCast. Um, please, if you want to hear something or if you have notes on our stuff, Send us an email at badtastecrimecast at gmail. Let There's us- also, if you uh, go on the website, there is like a, a contact us yeah. form that you can do it from there too if you'd like Yeah, to. we would love to hear from you if you want us to talk about something or if you're like, oh my god, I love this episode, tell yeah. me more. Or, <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, even if you have constructive criticism, yes, we I'm are open <laughs> to ideas. Yes. I do want to uh, say thank you to the couple of people who gave us a comment on iTunes. Did you see we had a new one? Another five star? No. I was like, yeah. What? Yeah, I'll have to show that to you. But yeah, thank you to those who have already done that. Um, that's really what helps us get noticed. We're not mm-hmm. advertising. This is all word of mouth. So yeah. we are counting on you guys. This no is, pressure. Yeah, this is our no time, pressure. our effort. Yeah. We're putting our, you know, everything into it. We love true crime. We love doing this. Yeah. We love hearing from people about yeah. it. We're those creeps of the party who are like, oh my God. Did you see that like documentary yeah. about a serial killer? Oh my god! Oh, yeah. Um, and if we, you know, we would really love it if you could check out our Patreon too. We would yeah. love you to support us. This is an art this form is for us. Not cheap. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> we're discovering. Um, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of but stuff we do it that we, we love it. <laughs> yeah, we, love we need you. to work out. Yes. Um, but we're gonna have some really good stuff for our Patreon supporters. Some potential merch will be coming. Yeah. Um, for you know certain. People who yep. help us out. Yep. So um, just keep an eye on that. Just, you know, check us out on Facebook. We'll be putting stuff up. I'll try to get... Yeah. I've been doing... You guys on Facebook have been awesome. Yeah. There's been some really great <laughs> engagement on Facebook, so keep that up, too. Yeah, we're going to be doing yeah. some videos, some interviews with people, so keep an eye out. We're going to have some good stuff coming yeah. soon. It's like real great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, yeah. I guess we will see you next time. Yeah. Try not to die till next time. Don't forget. Don't get into cars with strangers. Yes. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. In Los Angeles, a killer the police are calling the Hillside Strangler has murdered 10 young women and left their bodies on the hillsides along the highway. It was as if a wave of evil washed over this town.